Oh, shit. Greetings, friends from the apocalypse. This is Jared Apocalypse-sized Wallace and Adam Scott Glancy for a podcast at Ground Zero. Apocalypse, ciao. <laughs> uh, sorry, we're uh, a little late as usual, but uh, it's always fun using Google Plus Hangouts because there's always oh, yeah. some there's always some change that fucks everything up. So Dude, they're, they're making these changes to improve your user experience. That's why they keep changing it. Oh. It'll continue to advance your user experience until the point that you put a gun in your mouth and redecorate your fucking ceiling. God yes. damn it. Yeah, that was so. that was really painful, sir. It was. It was. But you know, but at least I'm enjoying a Twinkie, so I mean, well, it makes, yes, it makes, you are. It makes it, it makes it all better. I, so. I like how you use the phrase enjoying a Twinkie. <laughs> you are consuming a Twinkie. You are clearly eating a Twinkie. But uh, I got to tell you, that takes some real stones, <laughs> some real gall to use the phrase enjoying a Twinkie. I, wow. Well, I was. Uh, what? What? Uh, before we get into the before we get into the news, I got to ask: Do you remember the name of the uh, the Family Guy episode? Do I remember the name? Of the Family Guy episode. I know, the, I know, I have... Uh, uh, again, if only we had this device through which we could acquire data. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll get to that after the news. We'll get hold to that on, after the news. hold on. Family Guy... Twink... Family Guy Twinkies. Let's see. That would be... I think it was... The episode was Da Boom. D A space B O O M. Da Boom. <laughs> okay, excellent. So, yes, enjoying a Twinkie because in honor of uh, you know the apocalypse. So, uh, as it's pretty obvious, we're going to talk about food in the apocalypse because you know what are you going to eat? You got to eat, right? We talked to about eat, possibly who to eat. Yeah. We talked uh, about shooting people and radiation, and it, but you know what? You gotta eat, you know. <laughs> so, uh, not to, not not to get the jingle from Checkers in your head, you know. It's like you gotta eat. What are you doing, you know? What are, that was <laughs> that was the jingle from Checkers. Holy crap! Yeah, it that's, was like you got. That's that's right up there with what was the thing uh, from Idiocracy? Um, F fuck you! I'm eating. I mean, that was the. <laughs> fuck you, I'm eating. Yes. Carl Carl Jr. Carl fuck Jr.'s. You, fuck you, I'm eating. That's I think I like I think I like that better. But uh, <laughs> so anyway, so we're gonna be talking about food um, in all its forms as best as possible. But uh, in the news, uh, a couple things I saw uh, this week myself was there is going to be a reboot of the first Terminator movie. Well, because the first one was so terrible. It was a steaming pile of crap. How dare yeah. they remake a movie that they made multiple sequels from. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, how can you expect people to go and put up with those 1980s you know, special effects? It's impossible for these children today oh, to have to suffer. Through non-CGI. But... Uh, <laughs> So it's kind of a reboot that takes place, I guess, kind of it diverges off the original one, and then there's going to be a companion TV show to go along with it, of course. 
So well, the last Terminator TV show worked out so good. Oh, it was a fan. It was a fantastic piece of crap. I tried watching it once or twice, and I was like, I can't watch this. Because <laughs> uh, nothing's as unstoppable, you know, death machine like Summer Glau. I mean, yeah. I'm, 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 you know, I have no gripes the performance on, uh, you know, Firefly and Serenity, but, uh, or maybe they played to her strengths, which was her completely, uh, yeah, non sequitur emotional sort of reaction. I don't know, bad plan, kids. Yeah. Sarah Connor Chronicles, bad, bad plan. Yeah, so they're gonna make a companion TV show. They're deviating from the timeline. I don't fucking know, but um, so oh, well. I, I saw that. Uh, movie-wise, um, and I also mentioned this guy. I did finally watch a movie on his recommendation uh, called *The Dead* from 2010, I believe. It is a zombie film, of course, and but it takes place in Africa, like you know, more like southern, like southern Africa, I believe. Uh, at least it starts in that area. Yeah, um, they filmed it in like uh, they filmed it in like Namibia. I want to say they shot some of it, but it's all that. It's all that sub-Saharan, deserty Africa. Yeah, just hard, hard, hard country. And it's uh, it was it was good. Uh, I I would recommend it. It was a low-budget film, like Scott like Scott told me, low-budget film, but they did a really good job. Uh, they're using uh, you know, orthodox zombies, you know, slow zombies, you know, Romero style. And they managed to make them scary again because, as we all know, people say, "Oh, slow zombies aren't scary," but yeah, they are because, like we always say, you know what? You gotta eat, you gotta sleep, you gotta, you get tired. You have to stop every once in a while. They don't. Yep. And that's when they get you. That's when they catch up to you because you gotta stop and do something. And you're like, "Okay, everything's fine." Then, well, here's one. Here's another. Wait, now there's five. Okay, how did ten get here? Then what are you gonna do? It's like, yeah, they're not running and tackling you, but they they have the power to overwhelm you because you you take it for granted. You know, you you don't you take them for granted. Yeah, and and they did a good job in the film of of sort of showing how whenever they're, they're stopped to do something like check a building or look for supplies or whatever, off in the background, fifty a hundred yards away or more is a shambling fucking zombie, and they all fucking home in. They just start closing in from every direction, you know. And once their our heroes get moving again, yeah, they fall into the rear view. But oh, look, there's always some more up front. Um, yeah. And there, and it was Africa, so you know, what are you gonna do? Go hide in your mud hut with its thatched roof and close the what to keep uh, them out? It's uh, not the same kind of architecture nope. for the most part. Nope. Um, the average yeah, community I, is is not living behind wood walls. Got to hide in trees, top of rocks. You know, that's that's about that's it. That's all you got. Yeah, and they made a good point about you know you just can't travel at night. At one point, I remember them picking up a couple of chickens that broke the necks and like threw them in the back of their truck. And I'm like, well, good luck finding. I don't know how long is it going to take to gut clean and cook this. You know, I guess you're going to have to sit in the back of the truck plucking the chicken and gutting it before you can stop. And you know, how long does it take to build a fire when they change the tire on the car? That was a real nail-biter of a scene, just trying to get the car changed because they don't have infinite ammo. They don't have infinite supplies, and all you have to do is get nipped once, and it's goodnight Susan. So slow zombies got to be scary all over again. Oh, yeah, definitely. So they, they, they did a, uh, a really good job uh, with that. So 
I, I could recommend that one. Uh, and uh, the only other thing uh, zombie related, I, I I thought I ran to which I thought was neat was. Uh, there's a an app for uh, iPhone, I believe Android. I, I mentioned it in the past called uh, uh, Into the Into the Dead. It's basically a <clears throat> endless runner game. Basically, you're just you know first person. You're just running through a field avoiding zombies, and it's a neat little time waster. Uh, they added a new uh, a, a new mode to it called Flashlight Mode, and boy, is it fucked up. Because you're running, it's the dark, and you okay, you see some glowing eyes around you, but then like you get the flashlight going, you're like oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, you know, like they just pop it out in front of you, and then the flashlight goes out, and then like lightning might strike, and you'll see a bunch of them. It's it's pretty, it was a pretty cool little addition. Okay, um, uh, the only apocalyptic, let's see, apocalyptic news. Um, well, there was this thing that went on a couple of weeks back, which was this hoax about um, Bethesda uh, releasing some video for uh, Fallout 4, making a big Fallout 4 um, uh, uh, announcement. It was this. Uh, it was a hoax called Survivor. You know, something like 2299. Yeah, the, the Survivor 2299. I mean, it was a website that was purchased through GoDaddy, which is exactly what you do when you're launching a multi-million-dollar franchise sequel. Is you go to GoDaddy.com to make your website. But um, it was this hoax that uh, a large, a really large number of, uh, particularly online uh, gaming uh, sites, latched onto and was like, "Oh my God, it's the next Fallout game." Well, that went away, and now you know it was revealed to be a hoax, a complete hoax, a complete waste of everybody's time. And um, now, uh, the new possible hoax is that uh, somebody has sent to the uh, online gaming website Kotaku some pages from what appears to be a script uh, written for trying out voice actors, not the actual script for the game, but an audition script uh, is what they're claiming. Now, part of that claim, I think, is to explain a number of things about the script that they sent out that seem really bullshit. First of all, Ron Perlman isn't dead yet, and yet Ron Perlman is not narrating the opening. Mm -hmm. It's got the player's character narrating the opening, which means the player's character now has a voice, which to me was always... Uh, that's a bad. I mean, if they're going that direction, that's a bad idea. Yeah. Because the thing that was always made the character you is you didn't have the stupid other person's voice, you know, reading the dialogue for you. You know, and the character was more yours because he didn't have a voice. I mean, you got to pick out the face and the look, but you know, the voice was always very important. So it's got an introduction read not by Ron Perlman. Uh, it supposedly takes place in the in the Commonwealth up in Boston, Massachusetts, the area known as the Commonwealth. And the one or two pages they show has a conversation between the player and a group of like uh, mercenaries who remind me very much of uh, Riley's Rangers, except calling themselves the Minutemen, which mm. would be an obvious, you know trope to use if you're going to have a post-apocalyptic Massachusetts. There's probably going to be Minutemen. I wouldn't be surprised if we get some redcoats. Um, or at least the slang uses redcoats to describe whoever the enemy is. But uh, 
the, the other thing that's a little annoying, that, that's a little dodgy about the um, uh, the 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 uh, the little thing dodgy about the script is that the script actually has no multiple responses. There's no dialogue tree. You know what I mean? There's just this thing that says, you know, player says this, NPC says this, and that's not the way dialogue was created. I mean, that's not the way dialogue was created for the game. Maybe yeah. this is just for the the auditions, you know. Could be. Maybe, but, but again, you know, uh, I, you know, it, it, it seems pretty dodgy to me, and it comes right on the heels of another uh, hoax. Um, the only things we know about Fallout 4 is, uh, for sure, is that the guy who was doing the voice of Three Dog has somehow been brought back and is has made some has released some tweets uh, as you know the actor say, you know saying that he was attached to the project, you know, but that's it. Um, no other information is really fully available. There were a lot of rumors about them sending some uh, people up there from uh, the Bethesda staff. People had gone up there to photograph certain sites, you know, for possible uh, you know art uh, projections. But again, that too was sort of a rumor, um, uh, and this is just part of that same mill of people just tearing their fingernails out waiting for Fallout Four. Well, wait, kids, just keep waiting. That's all I gotta say. Um, you know, it, it for those who are a bit pissed off because they had to wait from Fallout Three to Fallout Four five years. Um, I'm gonna just say fuck you and talk about what was the eight years I had to wait between Fallout Two and Fallout Three. Okay. You kids today with your instant gratification and less than five years of development time. So, anyways, that's oh, damn that's entitlement, you know. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> that's all the news is fit to print there. Uh, I did finally finish uh, Wool, yes, post-apocalyptic novel. Uh, it's pretty good. Um, it wrapped up in a way that I wasn't happy with. Uh, it was almost like all the action took place off screen. Um, and the, the, the demo nail that was very, very strange. Um, I'm not sure how I felt about it, but uh, all in all, uh, it was a fairly enjoyable read. Um, you know, some some things are some things some some things are okay to take place off screen because you don't need to see everything. But yeah. if it's a major plot thing, you know maybe you need to touch on it a little bit. Yeah. the villain's downfall. How about that? The principal villain's downfall. Uh, it takes place off screen. You don't you never see it. Um, that seemed a bit shocking to me, or at least disappointing. It was a huge build up and then nothing. Um, Maybe I'm just supposed to read that and get used to disappointments in real life or something. But suffice to say, you know, it's it's no Lucifer's Hammer, it's no Eternity Road, it's no Postman. Oh, you're muted. You're totally muted. You and your coughing. Now I, I can hear you. Okay, here we go. Yay. It must, it must be the Twinkies. But... Um... <laughs> Great. So we so we're here to talk about we're here to talk about food because besides yum, yum. because besides the you know the apocalypse is like well, what are we gonna do for ammo what are we gonna do for shelter you have to eat you have to sustain yourself food and water so uh, that is something that is not necessarily always addressed in in like games books necessarily 
uh, role-playing games. I mean, video games, uh, they, they, they tend to touch, they touched on it like we talked about in the Fallout episode. In the hardcore mode, they made it something very uh, prevalent, uh, which makes sense. But a lot of, like, RPGs, you know, especially post-apocalyptic ones, I don't really see much like, well, what about the food system? You know, it's not something you really see too often because that's a major component as well. But again, how detailed do you want to get into your immersion into uh, unreality? Yeah. Well, certainly Twilight 2000, of course. Of course. Had rules, had rules for, you know, if you stop eating, you know, you start losing stats. You start, your strength starts going down, your endurance, things like that. Your con or whatever. But, so you know, that's, that's a level of math I'm very happy to have the Xbox 360 do for me. You yeah. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's, it's, I, I don't mind that being something i got to keep an eye on in the game as long as I don't have to do the math myself. Yeah. Just looking up and going, well, there's there's your thirst meter going up, and your hunger and your sleep. That's that's fine. Yeah. But having to sit down and do that calculation every day, that's kind of a bummer. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, we're not going to get really too much. I don't think into of like, okay, well, what should you eat? How should you prepare? Because there's enough, as I said the other day, Scott. There's enough psychopaths out there who are <laughs> um, preparing for the apocalypse, who have been preparing for the apocalypse, who have websites and books, you know, all these prepper shows now. Like, you need to have, you know, 150,000 pounds of wheat and brown sugar and flour and canned goods, which are going to last, this is going to last 10 years. That's going to last 10 years. You can easily, easily find that all over the Internet. So we don't need to talk about that. Yes, these are things you need to have to survive in the short to long term. But really in the long term, just to kind of cut to the chase a little bit, we'll t- again, we'll talk around this more, is, yes, you can stock food in your house. Yes, you can stock water in your house. But then the thing is, what happens when that runs out? Well, how are you going to be self-sufficient? You know, they're talking about you know, storing food, beans and dried beans and sugars and stuff. It goes beyond that. Your food's going to run out eventually, or somebody's going to take your food from you. From you. Um, uh, hunting, you know, probably like we talked about, one of the first things people can do a lot of hunting, you know, but then eventually you got to get down to basics. Um, you got to talk, you got to know how to like agriculture, you know, yeah. because you're going to, uh, you're going to, you're going to exhaust your supply. It seems to depend on what was the apocalypse, what was destroyed, what was not destroyed, how many people are left, how easy is it going to get to stored food? But again, that food's only going to last so long. You know, they say, Twinkies will survive the apocalypse, they'll last forever. It's only got a freshness day really of 45 days. That's it, okay? <laughs> um, it's it's a fallacy, you know. Canned goods, could la- canned goods last a couple of years. But, a couple of years. You know. Um, but Which- food's going food's to run out, food's going to spoil, fresh food's going to spoil, and then again, there's going to be competition for it. Now, that's eventually going to run out. Then you've got to figure out, okay, well, what's left? Fishing, hunting, those are easy those are easy things to do. It's like, you know what? I, I don't know how to skin a you know skin a deer or a chicken or this and that, but you know what? Through trial and error, I could probably figure it out and I could probably get some food off it. Am I gonna have a lot of waste until I learn learn it? Sure. But did you, know you what? did you ever see Into the Wild? No. There's a film called Into the Wild, it's based on the on a book um, by the same title. And one of the most, you know, you know, it's a survival story or a lack of survival story. But it's um, one of the bits that happens in it is the guy who's gone into the Alaskan wilderness to try and, you know, go back to the land and go off the grid, gets out there and, uh, you know, starts starving to death. And at some point, he, he runs into a moose and kills it. And 
tries to get it, tries to drag it somewhere. It's too big to move once he's killed it. He tries to hack parts of it off, you know, and try and get it someplace that he can smoke it. And uh, before he barely, he, you know, he eats okay for like maybe a day, but within less, you know, within a day, you know, it's summer in Alaska. Uh, it's maggoty. Oh, the yeah. flies have descended, and they're planting the eggs all over it. It's it's spoiling fast in the heat, um, and it's just you know it's this weeping disaster because uh, that hunting is one successful hunt turns into it, it doesn't benefit him like you know he thinks it could. It's not it's not two hundred pounds of groceries. No, you know uh, it's gonna go. You know he's out in the nowhere, and uh, very quickly it all falls apart for him on on the. On the great moose hunt, um, you know, and there's and th this is assuming like somebody like me, I don't know how to hunt, I don't know how to you know skin things, but there's a lot of people out there who do. Okay, so these are that's people. That's why I married Jane. Her 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 grandfather taught her how to skin possums and chickens and things and pluck chickens and gotta gut them and because he was all eh, got you. Here's the kind of guy who if Jane came back from like school and told her grandfather something she learned. Like you know about I don't know history or science or the you know we walked on the you know first man on the moon was Neil Armstrong Grandpa and he'd be like I ain't studying that that was his response to yeah. anything he didn't want to know was I ain't studying that and he thought these you know soft soft grandkids needed to be toughened up so he taught them how to skin things and the line that he always used when they're skinning the possum that always kind of freaked freaks me out. As he says to her, it's like pulling clothes off a baby. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> like, wow. Um, were there more kids in this family than I've been led to believe? Or And, and by clothes, he means skin. But, yeah, uh... exactly. Either, first of all, I'm not happy with the idea he's stripping babies on a regular, I mean, you know, maybe there's, that just sounds funny. Um, and second of all, yes. Yes, yeah, like what you said. <laughs> you know? by, by clothes, he means skin. But yeah, uh, yeah there's good, some good eating on them toddlers. <laughs> they're soft. It's like it's like veal. But uh, <laughs> we'll get to that subject on the what are we going to eat? Oh yes, 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 yes. We will talk about long pig. Do not worry. But, and, and, uh, and one thing about our title, Apocalypse Chow. Uh, some years ago, I picked up a cookbook called Apocalypse Chow. And it is uh, it is it is out there available through Amazon. Sadly, I do not have it in my library anymore, uh, or I would be waving it around here. Uh, but it was uh, yeah, it was a, it was a it was a book on you know very simple cooking using very simple you know dry beans and you know how to rehydrate. It was very it, it wasn't you know well, it was again but again Firefox. that's but it's but it's, again it's based off of like okay here's your here's your um, Prepper stock supplies, how to cook yeah. simple meals and yeah. stuff. It's not like, okay, I ain't got shit. I've run out of shit. I got to cook with what I have. You know? It wasn't the SAS survival guide where it's like, what berries will kill you and what berries will, you know, make you shit your sleeping bag and which mushrooms will stop your breathing. <laughs> you yeah. know, it wasn't like that. No, no. Yeah, so it's all, you know, it's all like, you know, kind of prepared stuff. But yeah. Uh, but like I said, you know, I was saying, you know, yeah, people who could hunt, and they're going to get those hunters, and they're going to whoever's left in those areas, they're going to thin out, you know, uh, 
you know, the inventory of animals, you know, eventually. But, I mean, you can think it's like, okay, it's not just that. Because you're going to think is like wild dogs are going to breed and, you know, you know you're not going to be hunting deer. You might be hunting wild dogs or cats because, you know, these things are going to breed uh, and expand and hunt. You know, that could, that's going to, you know, uh, overrun populations, you know. Let me, and, let me go ahead and throw out the part from Fallout. I guess it was 2 where at some point you find somebody reveals that the reasons there are no cats in the game is because they were easier to catch than dogs in a cat population and, you know, have been wiped out by hungry humans after the war, uh, which might explain why the place is overrun by gigantic mutant rats. So yeah. that'll teach you to eat your cats, dummy. That's true. So, Not that I'm opposed to eating pussy. No. Sorry. Wow, that was my Rob, that was my Rob Ford moment right there. Thank you. And, and I, I heard I heard I heard Jane moan in the background. So. Yes, and not in a good way. That was not. Yeah. That was not but don't bum. Okay, moving on from that. Oh, but, okay. Uh, so you're gonna get that, you know, and then eventually it's gonna get down to, you know, you're gonna have to start growing your own food because, you know. You know, wildlife populations are going to thin out. The canned goods are going to run out or go bad, and then you're going to have to start making your own damn food. You know, because you can only kill, you know, kill people for so much food. You know, because it's eventually going to run low. So anyway, that being said, that also brings me to a point. I, I what made me think about this was over the weekend I watched the first episode again of uh, James Burke's Connections. You know, the historian who had the show yeah. uh, 1979. He starts off the show because he, you know, his show was about connecting how one event in history affects another event, affects another event. You know, so he's trying to illustrate that, and he starts talking about the blackout in New York in 1965, I think it was, or 66. Um, how the one little trigger, uh, the relay going. Uh, cascaded and put everybody out. And he starts talking this whole scenario, okay, if the lights go out, eventually you got to leave and you got to get out of the town. And he starts going this whole thing, how are you going to get gas? How are you going to get this? You find a farm, okay, it's got animals, it's got greens, okay, maybe you can learn how to slaughter a cow, but then eventually that's going to round. Then you got to go green, but then you don't have any gas for the plow. Then maybe if you find a regular plow, then it's going to be pulled. Do you know how to seed? Do you know what seeds are what? And he brings a lot of poignant questions. Is like, sure, we could grow, and you're going to, you know, if you don't know how to grow food, eventually, especially in the long term, you're going to die because you're not going to have food. Or you're going to you're going to go to the alternative that so many books. I mean, that, I mean, eventually, I could see it going going this way, but so many books and stories seem to go immediately to, okay, here's the apocalypse. Let's start eating people. I mean, immediately. It's like not even like we <laughs> we, <laughs> we yeah. run out of because <laughs> it's let's start eating people. It's long pig, long it's, pig for everybody. It's like no, the canned goods are still there. They still got this. What's well, just start eating people? It's like it's um, mostly, yeah, it's mostly a matter of scaring your audience more than anything else, as far as the cannibalism goes. Um, yeah. At least in the road, they implied that it was ten years down the line from the apocalypse. Yeah, it was about and, a decade. And yeah. uh, I want to say she's. Did she, she had she just had the kid? No, she has the kid after the apocalypse. But very so, yeah. short, very shortly after. So it's like a decade on, and uh, yeah, all right, a decade. I you know I can see it maybe getting down to that level of desperate. But that was an apocalypse that kills everything. I mean, it kills the trees, it kills the plants, it kills the you know. Yeah. There was no sunlight. It was cold. There is nothing. So eventually, wildlife would thin out, and you know, canned goods run out. You can't grow crops. You know, yeah. without sun, without sunlight, so it's uh, the only the only protein is the one that's walking around. You know, armed to the teeth. 
Exactly. And oh, spoiler alert, people. But you know, you know, and then like you know, get like used he, to it, kids. There's the, we're going to be there's nothing but spoilers. Right? Yeah. Just, well, I was just letting him know. You know, like in the story with you know when like they get around the one house of people, they have all the people in the basement missing limbs because they're keeping them alive to keep the meat fresh. You know, yeah. <laughs> they're missing limbs and they're missing parts, and it's like keeping them alive. Keep you gotta keep that meat fresh. You know. Well, so, there's an old line from Doctor Doctor Who, which was. Well, life, life's easy. Life's just nature's way of keeping meat fresh. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a rather dark line for Doctor Who, but all right. Um, and there's something to that. Certainly yeah. that's going to be the way it's going to work for your farm animals in Twilight in the post-apocalyptic world. You know, markets are going to be... If, should there be a recovery of any form, uh, uh, you know, and you go to a marketplace, you're going to buy your animals live. Yeah, you know, you're gonna go in and buy some chickens, and whether you eat them or you have them lay eggs, whatever. But you're buying your animals live. You're not buying your animals uh, butchered um, necessarily. Yeah, because um, because unless you're like in the north and it's cold or something, because there's no there's probably not gonna be any refrigeration. You know, maybe have some ice boxes because maybe you're living where the ice is prevalent. You know, but generally it's gonna be fresh. Or it's gonna be eaten immediately. You know. Yeah. Um, if it's going to be eaten immediately, sure, there's a butchered animal, but there's probably a choice made by the community that we're going to butcher an animal. It's going to be on this day. Everybody show up and get your share. Yeah, you get know. fresh meat. Because um, that's all you're getting for this season. Um, well, that and besides the road, also uh, the day. Did you see the day? Yes, I did. Yes. The, the day had the same thing. It was... Uh, they didn't really tell you again how long it had been, but just from speculation, it seemed like it was a good five to ten year range. Yeah, it was five or ten years after everything had fallen apart, and um, those... uh, animals were animals were definitely scarce. Uh, no more canned goods, uh, but it wasn't like the road kind of apocalypse. You know, it wasn't like all gray and ash and cold. You know, things seemed to be somewhat normal, but just something, some catastrophe happened that wiped. Uh, folks out. So yeah, it, it, the population was thinned out, but it didn't look like nature had taken the hit. And maybe that's because they didn't have the production values to, you know, make it look like nature had taken a hit. But you know, when you're watching the road, there's a thing where it was that there's a windstorm and trees, just dead trees, just fall, start falling over. Fall over because the whole forests are dead. Just, just there's just dead wood hanging out. Um, but that that uh, you know, gang of of cannibals and the and the one thing that was nice or interesting about them was uh, the idea that they had ceded various they had a they had a territory yeah uh, they had a hunting range and they had ceded various houses with traps uh, and fake stashes of what looked like food to draw so people in to capture them so they could eat them so instead and of it with an alarm system. Remember the yeah. alarm system? The dinner bell was ringing. Yeah. This fire alarm would go off and tell them which trap had been sprung. And I thought that was that was actually fairly, you know, that was interesting. Yeah. But it, but again, it seems like, and apparently there was more than one group of them. There was lots of cl clans of cannibals. But the thing is, it's like, well, they're putting a lot of time and effort into setting all this elaborate traps and territories up. It's like, have you considered putting some seeds in the ground? Yeah, exactly. You know? I mean, it seems to be it's too easy. It's like, well, you know, again, you know, 
capturing a- animals, it's like, what about grown food? And stuff? it's like, well, we're just going to eat people. Because it's like, well, but you know what? That's going to run out eventually, too. You're, you're going to eventually eat yourself to death. Well, let's let me go ahead and throw out one of my, you know, what did what did Larry Niven and Jerry Purnell teach us about cannibalism way back in um, uh, Lucifer's Hammer? Is it's one of the most dangerous things to do because of the diseases. Oh yeah. If you, if anyone weak enough to catch, might not be healthy enough to eat. You eat them, and oh great, you got pneumonia. Yeah. You got uh, well, uh, well, also, hepatitis or something. You could all kind. You could get H. Maybe you could get HIV. I don't know. I mean. If you've got an open sore in your mouth and you didn't cook it right, or you get the blood on you while you're, you know, prepping the food, there's any number of bloodborne uh, diseases they could pick up. Hep- hepatitis probably being the, one of the most communicable, B- biggest but ones. Tuberculosis, or oh my God, you eat you eat somebody with dysentery. Congre- yeah, okay. Mm. Now, uh, but, you don't even have to get around to things like kuru and mad cow disease and prion-based, you know, and uh, spongiform encephalitis. There's all kinds of horror, and you know, and and the cannibals in Larry Niven's and uh, in, 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 in foot in, in football, but in Losers Hammer, they had a doctor with them to who checked, yeah, to inspect and see if anyone was worth eating or not, or whether they were safe to eat. And the cannibalism wasn't even about survival. It wasn't about food. It was about binding the cult members together. It was a ritual by which if you participate in the cannibalism, then you know that you are now rejected by society and you cannot leave the group. That if you're caught, you will be killed by any civilized survivors. And so you have no choice. It's giving up. It was part of their ritual to know that you were part of their group. It was not about... You know, it wasn't about uh, uh, calories. It was about psychological manipulation. Yeah. That was always one of the best, most interesting cannibals ever in a post-apocalyptic story. Exactly, because it wasn't just there to scare you, like, oh, look, the bad people are going to eat you. It's like it was more than that. So, yeah. Well, because the thing is, well, again, <clears throat> why it's dangerous to eat people is because we are very biologically similar to pigs. That's why they call it long pig, you know? Yeah. So, like, when you eat pork products, you got to make sure the pork is cooked. So, like, when you're eating people, you got to make sure the pork is cooked. Trichinosis is the pig is the one that we always classically think about with pigs, but, you know, there's, there's even, you know, and the idea that we can have very, you know, the swine flu, gee, the pigs got it, then we got it. Because um, we're, so, we're so close, you know? Yeah. Um, that's, you know, that's some bad shit. Uh, so, cannibalism always turns up in, or, or, or tends to turn up in, in post-apocalyptic stories. Anytime they want to have shorthand for, these are the bad guys, and they're so bad, you know, and... Let's but, start eating people, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, but I, I yeah, I, it, it's one of those things that, you know, always is just more spectacular than, than, than likely. Um, on the other, you know, and, and... Uh, and certainly, even Twilight 2000 pointed out in one of their. Um, uh, I want to. Oh, jeez. Uh, I, I was. In a, I'm not sure if it's Twilight 2000 pointed it out or if I did, because there was a time I actually. I read this article that was in Twilight 2000. It was in issue 33 of Challenge Magazine. It was called mm. Cuisine a la 2000. It was written by 
Warren K. Weissmans, who was the uh, line manager, I believe, for Twilight 2000. It was an article he wrote about the, the uh, meal ready to eat. And it was this incredibly detailed three-page three page article on the MRE. Um, and, uh, you know, what comes in each packet, what the menus were. And, again, this is like back in the, you know, late 80s, early 90s that he wrote this. But... Um, yeah, I read that article. I thought it was a great article. I said, well, that's the best thing. That's like the best thing you could get in Twilight 2000 as far as a meal goes because, again, they're, they're like 3,000 calories per MRE, you know, just in one MRE because it's for the infantry, and the infantry are expected to be humping it with an 80 to 100-pound pack on, you know? So... Yeah, they're they, gonna they're gonna burn that shit up real yeah. fast. And when you stop, you dig foxholes for the night, and then you fill them in, you know, and you move on, you know. So the infantry burns calories, uh, so they're they're really really loaded with calories. And so I thought, okay, that's the best thing you can eat. Twenty thousand. I tried to write an article, set it into uh, Challenge Magazine on what's the worst thing you can eat. And that would have been an it was an article on cannibalism, and they wrote back very politely saying, "You're gross." <laughs> you, you're gross. You're gross. Well, uh, I know that, I, you know what? I've been saying that for years, though. Yeah. So. Uh, and uh, they actually said, I think we're going to not. That. Thank you. It's very nice. It's, but uh, we're not publishing that. And one of the things I, me I remember uh, writing in that, and it might have been in that, it might have been in the Twilight 2000 scenario, Rifle River, which is the only Twilight 2000 scenario that had some cannibals in it. Um, at least organized cannibals as opposed to crazy fucker, just some crazy guy living in his own poop in the sewer. That's fine, you know, but an organized group of cannibals. Um, was that cannibals, if you're, you know, the cannibals can't stay still. Or can't, you know, you, this idea that they, you know, like that farmhouse full of cannibals in the road. Yeah. Really? I mean, uh, how, that you, they, if, unless they're on a major artery that people are moving on, no new prey is going to come into the area. People are going to hear about them and leave or kill them. I mean, when you hear somebody's going cannibal, you're going to either burn their house down with them in it or you're going to get away from them. So they they'd actually deplete their own prey if they, you know, in their area. Uh, so they'd have to be nomadic. They have to keep moving. Well, well, it seems like in the day <clears throat> that the, the clan seemed to be nomadic, but I guess they had like a territory that they go around. But still, yeah. eventually people what you think would get smart, you know. And leave. Either leave or organize to put them down, one or the other. Um, but uh, anyways, um, I suddenly feel terrible because I just realized that I actually, somewhere in this house, I have an MRE. A camel? Okay. Oh, obviously, you have a cannibal in there somewhere. Yes, there's a cannibal in the house. Um, uh, is, yes. is, is John is John eating people now? Uh, not for not for some time now. Oh, okay. Not for some time now. It's it's it's, it's not good for his. Uh, no, 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 no. John's never eaten anybody, and Blair Blair moved out years ago. So oh, okay. There are no cannibals in the house. I can promise you, with. Almost complete certainty that there are no cannibals in the house, um, but uh, yeah, the um, uh, where was I? Oh, never mind. I'll just yeah. let's uh, we'll move off on the cannibal thing for a second. But I do want to well, say, well, what, what, what was the first post-apocalyptic food you can think of? You know, because I'm thinking like in movies and or books or whatever. Oh well. Um, the first thing that pops in my mind, and we think we talked about it last week, was a delicious can of Dinky Dog. Dinky D. Dinky D. 
Dinky D dog food. Yeah, that was the that was one of the first ones I remember. And then I re, and I remember that completely insane dinner that Charlton Heston cooks for himself. Oh yes. In Omega Man, where he goes, oh, it's Thursday. We always dress for dinner on Thursdays. And there's Chuck Heston in this fucking what like purple velvet jacket with frills with with lace cuffs. Well, it was like 19, it was like it was like 1971, so you know. That's no that I I don't really think there's a defense to that. <laughs> you know, but all right. All right, he looked like if he was you know, in his defense he was dressed like John Pertwee as the third doctor. He was a he was dressed for he was a man of he was a man of his time dressed like wow. that. But um, <laughs> but just to add one more just one more little bit about cannibals. Even in the Walking Dead series, the comic series. Oh yeah. They do address cannibalism. Yeah, they did bring it up. Uh, does not work out so hot for those guys. Oh, it did not end well. Yeah, I, that's a spoiler I'm going to save because the 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 the, the, the fu for the cannibals is beautiful. Oh yeah, it's it, it was something special. Yeah, it was the best possible revenge. Right in the middle of them trying to torment their victim. Oh, by the way, mm, but yeah. all right, we'll try and hold that one off. But it's that yeah. was that was gorgeous. Um, certainly, the British TV, uh, British um, uh, the survivors was big on food. Yes, um, that show was huge on food about you know domesticating animals and. Potatoes. You know, yeah, and there's a, a the, yeah, the, one of the very first ones where they're talking about where to find wild potatoes growing and how to cultivate them. Because in their um, area, I mean, also in England, there's a lot people do a lot more uh, self gardening than they do here. Oh my and, God, yes. And one of the things they do do a lot of is you know like root foods that are easier, like potatoes, carrots, things like that. That's 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 easier to deal with than saying let's grow corn or wheat or you know, but it's a potato. You get it, it grows in the ground. You know, it's a little. Again, again, I don't really think about farming, but I think like root foods would be easier to grow than. And certainly, the British do have a tradition of the British Garden, you know, which turned into the Victory Garden in World War Two and World War One when they were really under the gun and rationing was on. Everybody was growing their own food, so it was a tradition that at least Grandma would remember. At least at me here, I am being forty-seven years old. You know, my grandparents would have gone through that, and my parents would have remembered it, even as children, that there was a garden yeah. and food was grown in it. And I think more people know about gardening just in you know England in general than they do here. You know, we got lawns. The British have gardens. Gardens. Yeah. So they're a little they're a little bit better off there because they know a little bit more uh, about that. And we've seen them address that not just in Survivors, even like the Day of the Triffids. They talk about that a little bit. You know. Yeah. And um, uh, the other thing I want to point out about, you know, post-apocalyptic eating, once you're done with the food, and again, you know, I, I keep wanting to pull examples from movies. Boy and his dog. Yeah. Uh, where they, they were still doing the canned food things, except it's been long enough that people are illiterate. And he's handing them the cans and says beets to get into the, to the uh, stag film, and they're like, what's this? It's peaches. Yeah. Okay. And the guy looks at it, and the guy's like, he's like, how can I tell? What's the matter? Can't you read? He goes, oh, of course I can read. Peaches. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, but um, uh, uh, you know, certainly that was one of the things. That, you know, another another food moment in an apocalypse scenario. Um, but one of the things I wanted to point out, which was also I was reminded of by uh, 
Kirsten Haglett, who's a friend of mine who does uh, a lot of gaming and uh, LARPing. And that's uh, uh, Mr. Mr. Vanek's wife, correct? Yes, yes. Uh, Aaron Vanek's wife. Aaron's another big time. Uh, he's one of the guys who runs the HP Lovecraft Film Festival, the southern branch of the franchise down in uh, Los Angeles. Uh, Kirsten and him have been involved in a, in a LARP, a post-apocalyptic LARP called Dystopia Rising. Which is a which is both post-apocalyptic and zombie. Although, they're from what I've read from the source materials on Dystopia Rising, the website, uh, their apocalypse wasn't zombie related, but there are now zombies or something like them wandering around after the apocalypse. Um, but she did a thing about food for the uh, for the LARP because. Um, uh, she's written for uh, uh, food magazines. Uh, uh, she's been a home ec teacher, um, had been someone who's interested in local food production. And one of the things that she pointed out, uh, she couldn't be here tonight because she's got another uh, engagement, was that how post-apocalypse, all food's going to go back to being regional. Yes. And that cu cuisines will be totally regional based on what that area does best. And I always remember about like Lewis and Clark coming down the Columbia River, and when they get out to the Pacific and they winter over out in the Pacific, there becomes a point where they have my phone is ringing. We'll just have to put up with that. Okay. Um, it's, just, it's, it's the president. It's, yeah. Let's see here. It's wow, Reynoldsburg, Ohio. Hmm. It's not. It's not the president. No, it's not or, the president. Or, or, or maybe, it, maybe it's a random phone call. When you pick it up, it's going to be you got to get out of there. The missiles are coming. Yo, like, we just we just watched that this weekend. We just watched um, Marathon Man. Uh, no, no, not uh, Miracle, Mile. Miracle, Mile. Miracle Mile. Miracle Mile. It's Miracle Mile. It's silos. We're going to be getting it back in an hour. <laughs> you you've missed your Miracle Mile moment, Scott. Yeah, okay. too bad. Oh well. But. Uh, but no, so, yeah. uh, it's going to be all regional. And Lewis and Clark, when they're out on the out on the Pacific coast, you know, in their journals, they're talking about how fucking sick they were of salmon, of dried salmon, because yeah. that's what the Indians had. That's what well, there was to eat was just tons and tons and tons of fish. Now, uh, to to your point, and we talked about this a little bit, you know, uh, over the weekend offline was like in that Southern California, they don't have wheat crops, like so they are not going to have bread necessarily in those areas like you know they aren't going to have you know sandwiches you know <laughs> so they're going to have yeah it's going to be tortillas like, tortillas they're going to have corn cornbread biscuits you know which are great but um yeah, uh, in fact that, that reminds me in loserous hammers that thing where they the, the one group of survivors have cornfield so they had corn meal biscuits they took with them on their trip and they get to this other place and the other guys are like uh, yeah, we'll trade those. They're just they're just woofing them down because they live in a place where it's this like flooded valley. It's filled with fish, catfish, and all they've been eating is catfish all the time because the catfish are eating the corpses of everybody who drowned in the giant tidal wave, hmm. you know, uh, and flooded the whole valley. This whole town's underwater, so the catfish are just huge and they're really easy to catch. It's just that you know, it's kind of like cannibalism only through a filter, and yes. um, cannibalism once removed. But yeah. uh, but uh, there was this thing where they're so, so they're so happy to get something other than dried fish or fried fish or or, or whatever, and uh, you know the cornmeal biscuits become you know that they're just thrilled that. And one of the things that, that Kirsten pointed out on that was um, that was interesting. Is that California, uh, you know, 
He's got a lot of agriculture, but again, it's regional agriculture. Yeah. It's big on vegetables. Uh, the biggest fruits in California are grapes, which means there's going to be wine production and there's going to be brandy. So, you know, if you're, your local survivor is still out there, is going to be producing brandy from grapes. There's not going to be any rum because we don't have any sugar, you know, or molasses. There's not going to be uh, rye whiskey. There's not going to be um, uh, corn whiskey. It's just gonna... it depends on it depends on your area. Like so, uh, like to that point again, corn and tortillas. Again, that's why you know in you know Mexico, Central America, they're not you know the Mayans, Aztecs. Just they're not they weren't again they weren't eating freaking hoagies. They were eating things with tortillas because they had corn cornmeal to make their bread type items. So and so yeah. you're, you're gonna have that as opposed to maybe in the Midwest where you have where you might have wheat, so then you might have some bread or in the Northeast. So and that that's another thing. Again, things are gonna be regional. So you might have things happen like, okay, people from this area maybe travel fifty miles to this area and people come from all around to trade in this market because well maybe here we we have this and here we have this. So they all come together to kind of hey I want to get some of that because I don't have that in my area. Yeah. So, so trading might become Big, you know, people you know, traveling. Just on food stuff, just to get some food that you can't get anywhere else, which is, and a friend of mine, um, Mitch Gilman, who's uh, worked, who's been working on, worked on the latest Shadowrun reboot uh, for Hairbrains, his wife, um, she has uh, done an amazing, she's one of the things she took up before, for a while she was working on this hobby, but she went to work for Hairbrains, so she had a little less time, was canning. Where she'd can something, some some preserve, some fruit or whatever, and hold on to it for a year, and then open the stuff up a year later and then make something with it, you know. Um, and the canning stuff, you know, apocalypse. Speaking of apocalypse chow, if you don't, the thing that's most fascinating to me about apocalypse chow is not so much what are you going to eat, like regional food, but how are you going to how are you going to make it last in the land beyond refrigeration. Yeah. Um, uh, milk is going to go, is going to turn to shit immediately. Mm -hmm. uh, you're going to have to turn it into yogurt or cheese, cheese. or you blew it. And cheese is going to be the thing that's going to be all over the place as you're, as maybe one of your more, for a settled community. Because you, you know, got cows, goats. Yep. And you're going to want to, you're going to want to have as much cheese as possible because that's fat and protein, kids. And, uh, you know, uh, it lasts. you can eat. You can eat all the cornmeal you want, but unless you, you know, you, you can get pellagra. But unless you, unless you follow that up with uh, some, uh, you know, some protein, you're in trouble. Um, well, and also related to the milk is, you're gonna lose a tremendous amount of the cow population in the apocalypse as well immediately because milk cows are bred to be milked and they have to be milked constantly. Yeah. And if there's nobody there to milk them because the power's out, they can't hook them up, they're going to start dying because, you know, they're producing too much milk, and that will kill them eventually. We're yeah. gonna, we have hyper-domesticated that species. Yeah. So there's going to be a giant crash in that population. Now, mind you, there are, you know, beef cows, you know, but the, the, all the dairy cows, we're going to lose those fast, you know. Yeah. Yes, we are. Because, um, you know, presuming the apocalypse means power is broken down and water is broken down, people are not where they're supposed to be. Um, one of the things they did in the, um, certainly one of the things they did in uh, Survivors was when they'd go out in the countryside and the farms, there's all these animals that were locked in their pens that weren't fed, chickens just dead, whole chicken coops filled with rotten chickens yeah. because nobody got to them. 
And speaking of chickens and things that do not rot, eggs don't require refrigeration. We're one of the few countries in the world that still re refrigerates our eggs in the supermarket. Um, you don't actually have to do that. They'll keep until they go. You don't have to. You don't have to refrigerate them. So there is a little bit of shelf life on an egg uh, that would not exist for other sources of protein. Again, it's a source of protein um, that you've got to have. Uh, other things that she threw out in this. Let's see here. Was uh, that vegetables would be easier than fruit because uh, vegetables you can grow in you know these little garden stuff, but a lot of our fruits are the result of grafts of uh, on trees. You know, uh, you don't just grow a fruit tree; it's either there and producing, or it's not. Yeah, yeah. Um, so orchards either have to be you know will have to be either if they get burned down, it's gone. You're not waiting five or ten years for that that peach tree or that apple tree to you know become productive again uh, maybe in the distant future but it's going to uh, fruit is the kind of thing where if you screw it up it's gone for a while and another thing I loved was rice rice is something you're gonna get very little of in the states uh, except you'd get it along like uh, the floodplains of big rivers because it requires so much water to make rice yeah Rice patties require huge amounts of water, uh, not like wheat out there in the you know dry prairies of you know Kansas and Nebraska. Uh, we uh, rice is a whole other matter. So rice is going to disappear off our our tables um, in North America for the most part. Uh, well, a lot of things are going to disappear off the table because again, a lot of it's going to deal with you know. Because again, how are you plowing your fields? How, what kind of equipment do you have? Because you know, we're assuming the power is going to go out too, and the power will go out pretty quickly. Because um, I had uh, discovered an article a number of years ago uh, from this from the street dope about uh, it said when the zombies take over, how long will the until the electricity fails? And the guy does a pretty comprehensive article saying uh, how long it will be for the different types of power plants to maintain their power from coal plants. To uh, you know, nuclear plants, to dams, things like that. You know, do you remember any of the the, the, the time limits? Because I, I sort of remember that like coal and petroleum power plants, without human intervention and constant crew, twelve would, to be that'll be about twelve to eighteen hours before that shuts down. Yeah. Yeah, because, that was going really fast. Because they, they have the automated systems to keep unloading the coal, but eventually some kind of safety thing is going to trigger. It's going to trip it at some point. Um, nuclear plants, you know, require, you know, uh, some have gone up to, you know, two years before refueling. Uh, you know, you know, 500 days on average. Uh, but I think, they, I think they said that generally, uh, what did the guy say? You're, you're going to... It could last anywhere from days to weeks unattended before, you know, eventually before something shuts down. Because, again, it has these fail-safe systems where if something's a little weird happening, it's going to shut it down. Unless there's somebody to actually monitor it to find yeah. out what made it shut down and they could bypass it, it's going to, you know, shut down, you know. It'll, um, drop the, it'll drop the control rods, end of story. Exactly. So that's like the coal plants. Um, I think they said that – I'm kind of skimming the article now. Uh, but uh, Coal plants – Capacity raging at 21st. Plant may start losing power in as little as two to four hours. Um, yeah, but it won't last more than that. 
What did it say? Hydra uh, was, was the one that you said could run literally for, was it weeks or months before unattended? Days to weeks, because days to weeks. the fuel is contained by water, but sudden, you know, sudden, you know, equipment failure. Again, you know, those are things like that. Natural gas plants, they said somewhere from one to three days. Because our article is pretty interesting because the guy uh, did, actually went to different plants, you know, these power plants, and to talk to people to find out, well, how long will this last? How will the automated systems last? So he did a pretty thorough, thorough article about that. Um, he had said that bottom line, he goes, my guess is that within four to six hours, there would be scattered blackouts and burnouts in numerous areas. Within 12 hours, much of the system would be unstable. And within 24 hours, most of the populations of the United States and Canada, aside from rare island, a rare island of service in a rural area near a hydroelectric source, would be without power. You know, some installations uh, served by wind farms or solar might continue, but they would uh, be very small. By the end of the week, I'd be surprised if more than a few abandoned si uh, sites uh, were supplying power. Yeah. Because again, a lot of it has to deal with not that it's not running, not that the hydroelectric plants or the nuclear plant, but all these fail-safe systems shut them off because. Yeah. Something is a little off, but people make adjustments and it keeps things going. But if there's nobody there to adjust it, it's off. And then okay. eventually it's going to go. So, kids, your power ain't going to last very long unless you got yourself a generator or you got a house uh, tricked out for solar and, uh, solar and wind power. Something else that uh, Kirsten threw out in the material that she, she sent me a sort of an article uh, that she had prepared for, uh, for, the, for the LARP. Uh, and one of the things I thought was sort of interesting that she had was this idea that that in a, a post-apocalyptic community, uh, meals may become communal uh, in that uh, rather than each individual family preparing a meal, uh, the entire community might prepare a meal together. For one thing, uh, they can, you know, bring resources together. They can also bring, uh, you know, there could only be that way. They could save on, perhaps save on fuel by only having one you know, wood burning or coal burning or whatever heat source for the food. Um, uh, plus, there's the uh, you make sure that everybody in the community gets fed. Um, that you know, uh, that cooking and eating may become more communal than perhaps we're than than we're used to right now. Um, uh, a typical dinner in a uh, in a Southern California community that actually has you know uh, agriculture ongoing. Uh, might be something like a, a lentil soup with vegetables with a little meat or or fat or lard for flavor, uh, cheese, cornbread, um, uh, fruit for dessert, like dried fruit or, uh, uh, you know, or even a cooked fruit, um, you know, if you're lucky, and possibly even wine with your meal, you know, like suddenly you're in France, because again, one thing about drinking booze in the post-apocalypse is, booze doesn't have bacteria in it, you know, you drink, you know, you, you drink your fermented beer or your wine uh, with your meal uh, because it kills bacteria, you can even put water in it, but you, by putting the wine uh, in the, the alcohol into that water, it will uh, kill the bacteria, so booze has an application uh, for sterilizing your water supply uh, in primitive societies. Um, she also suggests in the last thing that farming is not going to be an individual activity because when you're on your back 40 in the post-apocalypse farming, you're going to have to have overwatch. You're going to have to have a wingman. 
Um, it's not something you're going to do by yourself and just presume everything's going to be great. Uh, you're going to have to have guards. Yeah. Uh, people watching your back while you're while you're doing that work while you're hitting, while your nose is in the dirt. Well, Somebody that's that, that's something we've talked about. And we talked about the currency system uh, show how it's like, yeah, you know what? I don't know how to grow food, but I know how to kill really good. So why don't you grow the food? Food, and I'll watch your back while you're going food. And I'll kill anybody who tries to take our damn food. You know, yeah. so things are going to have to be like again. We thought things might become a little specialized in the economy. Different people are going to have to have different jobs. You the know, currency becomes skills. Yes, the, cur the currency is labor, physical labor, and skills, and that becomes the the most you know readily tradable item. I think Verhola was. Uh, I can't yeah. I actually may have said that flat out in that episode. Exactly. So, and those are things that she said that that would happen in her Southern California area, and these will be different for like Florida, maybe because there might, there might be because there's a lot of native just citrus trees and mango trees and uh, well, you know things like that. Let me like just that. say this about Florida: Florida is the fourth largest population in the country. It's New York, all of most of it concentrated in the city, um, in the megaplex on there. I mean, you go to upstate New York, it's rural. Um, there's California and Texas. Those are our four biggest states. We're thinking Indiana got uh, Illinois, excuse me, got passed by Florida. Florida's got a gigantic population of retirees. Of uh, and and Florida, yeah, sure, it used to grow citrus. Used to be a lot of agriculture in Florida, but when it became retirement destination central. They paved all that over. When I was a kid, there were orange groves in front of my neighborhood. You know, right off of Wymore Road and Altamont. Well, depends. Yeah, a lot of it depends on where you depends. Depends on where uh, where you go. Like, there's still areas around here that have large groves still. You know, it just depends on. But it's not like it's not as common as it was. You know, it's but you can find it. But what I'm saying about the, your post-apocalypse in Florida is, is that unless something comes in and thins out your 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 herd of people. Florida is the place that's going to go cannibal first, or, or well, really, it's what's going to do is it's going to be well, a giant. Everyone's going to move. Everyone's going to get on their feet and start walking north to get to some place that isn't as overpopulated as Florida. Well, uh, but least, then, but then also, but you got to think too. Again, you you mentioned the uh, the elderly population we have here. A lot of them, unless unless they're being uh, cared for, they're going to go and they're going to go fast because a lot of people need a lot of medical attention. So we're going to we're going to lose a big chunk of that population. You know, we're going to yeah. lose a chunk of that population fast. Anybody who needs a, a constant medicine, you know, medical medicine, attention, machines. Um, yeah. You know, I can't get out of my bed or I need help. You know, all the, those you know people, and that oh, that's, yeah, that, that that goes for young and old. But having a large elderly population, those people unfortunately are going to go quickly. You know. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that was one of the things I liked from uh, one of the bits from the uh, Walking Dead was the uh, the community built around the retirement home, yeah. where the the the, the kids, I, the, 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 some of the kids of the of the people who were there had come to the retirement home and ended up building a community around taking care of their, which again was felt like an anchor wrapped around their necks. But those are the choices they made to take care of their old folks before until they die, and then you know maybe when they're dead they'll move on to do something else. But their first mission. Was to get attached to that, but anyways, back to food. Um, it just uh, preservation of food is one of the things that fascinates me, and it's uh, we go on and on and on about canning foods, drying fruit. You know, 
you look at dried apricots and dried date, palm dates and things like that, and you're like dried coconut meat, all this stuff that's going to last in a world without refrigeration. But, and again, you have to have the skill to know how to do it. So unless you have people who could do it or you could find some how to do it, or books that's going to tell you going to how to do it, you're not going to have that. You know, so you're going to have to learn. You know, trial and error, and you're going to lose a lot. Invest in Foxfire, the, the Foxfire books, which were these books written in the 70s about Appalachian culture. And it was like, and it literally had, you know, how to build a still, how to butcher a hog, how to can, how to grow these various gardens. Uh, the Foxfire books were excellent on all kinds of uh, sort of, yeah, off the grid living. It was, you know, it was stuff about it was about cult, a culture in America where people were living off the power grid. You know, uh, in the Appalachian Mountains, there where their town had not been electrified, their area hadn't been electrified, so they were still living using very 19th century techniques. For, and, again, for, and those types of places in the apocalypse are going to last a lot longer than suburban America, who takes, uh, you know power and everything for granted. You yeah, know? yeah. This thing shuts down, you know, this thing here shuts down for 10 minutes and we're going to shit our pants and, you know, be already having suicide packs because we can't Google, we can't uh, go to Facebook and talk about the apocalypse. Yeah. And again, there's, I mean, there's also enough people out there, again, enough preppers, a lot of, you know, doomsday people who, again, have use the guise of, oh, look, we're preparing for the zombies. We're not crazy. You know, so there's a lot of those people out there, you know. Is there any other fictional food you can think of before we sign, uh, we wind this down? I mean, Dinky D was one of the classics, the dog food thing. Um, you know, uh, God knows every movie always throws cannibals and canned food at us uh, every chance they get. Um, I'm just curious if you could think of uh, um, any other uh, 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 foods from fiction. Um, I really, I really don't think I can, uh, I can think of any uh, off the top of my head. There, there's like something tickling my brain, but I can't quite. I know I'm gonna think about it later, but I know there's something. Oh, I, I know. That was something I wanted to mention, uh, just for my own personal entertainment. Was the the recipes from uh, the recipes from Fallout, uh, where in the fourth in, in Fallout New Vegas they had this option where you could start. Uh, making you know food at a campfire, and that food would, uh, depending on your survival skill level, it would provide uh, more health, uh, more uh, 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 recovery of your water and your food, or even affect your your sleep uh, quotient, because uh, you could actually make you know uh, sort of cactus coffee or something uh, out of what was it say uh, coyote tobacco and honey mesquite pods. <laughs> Which, some ersatz coffee. I'll keep you yeah. awake. But again, but, uh, I mean, they, they get these. Uh, they have all these recipes, and you've talked about the recipes before. But it's like, uh, you know, it's just you know, hey, based off of like instead of using fictitious names and stuff, you you use real stuff, and they're just regular recipes, really. They're not nothing really special. And again, their recipes, the societies in Fallout have reestablished after the apocalypse. So there is trade, there is commerce, there is food being produced. So it's not like we're struggling through the ruins oh. trying to, try to eat. Yeah, yeah. For the most part, uh, yes, for the most part you're right. They, that, that this is, a, you know, that there are established societies, and even if they're small um, and scattered and balkanized. Uh, the eating post-apocalypse, really, yeah, you're right. It comes down to if you're not using your canned goods supply, 
as the buffer to figure out how you're going to plant your crop for next year, you just committed suicide. Yeah. Yeah. You've got to be using whatever buffer those canned goods are to put seeds in dirt. Uh, if you're not doing that, it's that. That's it. You know, you're you're. It's it's over. You're done. Uh, yeah, your community doesn't get to have next year if they do not start planting food. Yeah. Uh, year one, really. They don't start year one. They're not going to have a year two. Nope. And they've mentioned that in different, uh, like. Again, it's like we don't get we don't get. I've seen that in different stories or TV. Really, like it's like if we don't get the crops in now. We're not going to have anything for next year. Yeah, yeah. And you think about. I mean, I always think about. You know, it, it goes back to again pre-industrial or you know pre-19 like nine. At best, you're in 19th century agriculture. We got a horse pulling a mechanical plow or a mechanical thresher or something. You know, you can forget using gasoline for that for a while. Uh, your best case scenario is that it's it, you've got some steam power in your world. Um, if you're lucky. If you're lucky, yeah. Um, but again, what, you know, that's what they made windmills for, is to be pumps, to uh, to work pumps, to work uh, milling water. stones. Milling yeah. stones, water. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, those are going to be your agricultural options. But again, uh, uh, the idea that it's something you can't do by yourself, it's going to require a community. And it's going to acquire the know-how. You got to know somebody. You got to find somebody who survived that knows it, or you got to try to find a book in a library that's going to teach you. And you got to be able to figure it out through trial and error. So, yeah, it's sketchy at best. Yeah, yeah. I, the idea that there could be, uh, yeah, sure, there can be other people who don't know how to that have developed other specialized skills. But you better hope that your specialized skill can be is your currency can be traded for some of those corn cakes. Yeah. <laughs> You know, otherwise, whoops, too bad. You are another casualty. So you mean you mean uh, being able to boss people around is not a skill that's going to help me no, survive? No, 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 it really isn't. Um, unless it's you're right. Unless you're right. If you boss them around and you're right and everyone's bellies are full, they're going to keep you around. But I'm going to bet there's going to be, speaking of corn, some corn king problems. So that the first time the crops fail, somebody's going in the big wicker basket shaped like a man, okay? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? They're gonna light you up like the druids if you don't, uh, if the if the crops fail or if the rains don't come or you know, um, uh, uh, the what are, um, what are we savages? <laughs> did you ever read that? There's a Shirley Jackson um, short story called The Lottery, which is particularly effective. That it, it it's it's built in a world where there are authorities and there is a town and there's a tractor they mention in the town and all, but. I always, when I read it, I get the feeling it's like some sort of post-apocalyptic decades on from the end of civilization because the community has gone back to having a human sacrifice at the beginning of every harvest to ensure that the, you know, that the, where everybody in town has to throw rocks and stone somebody to death at the end of the lottery to ensure a bountiful year, you know. Yeah, that'll and, work. Uh, yeah, that'll work. And, you know, when it comes to agriculture, in the ancient world, people got tetchy about their rainfall, you know, and about their crops coming in. And a post-apocalyptic scenario that's 100 years on, 200 years on, there's no telling what, you know, if we haven't recovered into a, if society, if civilization hasn't rebuilt itself in a couple of generations, there's there's no telling what bad detours uh 
our descendants may have made into superstition and oh, nonsense. I'm sure I'm sure they'll be numerous and ridiculous. Yeah, and that's another thing. We that's a whole another episode would be you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, religion in the apocalypse. Oh, we could uh, yeah. certainly because the first one I always think of is that is that oh, those prayers to the bomb in Planet of the Apes. Yep. Well, or in uh, the Deathlands book series, I think it was in. I think it was in the second book. You know, there was some there was some crazy religion. Oh yeah, uh, with the um, uh, hold on, just give me actually give me a second. Oh, was that with the was that with the burnt uh, the the church that had been set on fire? So the so the cruci the crucifix had, was was blackened. Yes, it was like in the second or third book. I think there was this whole. Uh, Blessed are the nukes, and blessed shall be the fallout. Blessed is the punishment of the Dark Lord, and blessed are the nails of his hands and his feet. Blessed are the long chill and the many rads. Blessed be both the short heat and the long cold. We wait thy coming, Lord. Then shall uh, we be released from bondage and into the eternal life among those in the bunker below. Thank you. Wow. Wow. I have that written down, by the way. Thus ended the lesson. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Wow. Uh, yeah. So, anyways, that's that'll be my pitch for next week's show. We do we do religion and the apocalypse, but um, uh, 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 post-apocalyptic food. Um, you know, uh, the um, the other thing that I always like from uh, uh, from the recipes from Fallout, and again, like I said I, I made one of the recipes, the the beef stew with the beer and the jalapenos and the potatoes. But a lot of those recipes call for things like mole rat meat, and um, let's see, uh, you know, um, mole rat meat. Um, uh, what's the one? Uh, the yeah, the gecko steak, gecko meat, um, and oh, my favorite food of all time, the bloat fly slider, which was a bloat fly meat plus a pair of prickly pears. Which one can only presume you hold the bloat fly meat inside the prickly pears you've pulled all the, the spines out of and just woof that baby down. That sounds delicious. I suggest, I, I think it's only fair that if any recipe from Fallout that requires uh, ant meat or uh, bloat fly meat, you may substitute your the arthropod of your choice and up to and including lobster. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Or shrimp. Okay. That. Uh, prawns, whatever, whatever arthropod you want to get in there. Soft shell mirelurk. Remember that? Remember that? Oh yeah. Mirelurk and soft shell mirelurk meat. Now, uh, just just to circle back for one uh, second here, and then we're gonna we're gonna shut down here. I remember I forgot about one little uh, piece of in the news, which I thought was pretty uh, pretty interesting. Oh. I came across. Uh, those of you who are fans of wizards, you oh know, yeah, wizard. By our good friend Ralph Bochke, and uh, he apparently is there's working on a Necron 99 piece collectible figurine, mm. and and apparently uh, what will follow is uh, uh, Avatar, uh, Wee Wee Hawk, and I think somebody else. But the first well, one it's he's gonna doing... be it's gonna be the chick with the boobs because yeah I can't, I can't remember her name. For fanboys, uh, there's always going to be boobs. Eleanor. Eleanor, that's right. Eleanor. So he's working on this, and he posted on his Facebook page 
Uh, it's a clay, the sculptor, and he's kind of working on it. And apparently, it's going to be for pre-order in the, in the in the near future. I saw so, the sculpts. Uh, the sculpts look pretty good. The sculpts look very faithful to the uh, to the character. Very, very excited to see how those turn out. So that was a little bit of in the news for our Wizards fans that there's going to be a Necron 99 figure coming out. So I'm uh, very excited about that. Yeah. So that being said, uh, post-apocalyptic food. Yes. Uh, apparently, you can eat. Uh, it just ain't going to be easy, and you got to know what the fuck you're doing, apparently, is uh, apparently. My, my estimation, you know, <laughs> because, you know, when uh, when the can when, when the Twinkies run out, when the Doritos run out, yeah. you know, you, you got to go back to the land, and unless you know how to go back to the land, or somebody knows who knows how to go back to the land, you're fucked. Yeah. So. Yeah, finding finding that can of Coke becomes that you know the magical artifact from the gone gone away time, like in the road again. In the road, a nice treat. So eventually, it all comes back to again, depending on if how much level of civilization is rebuilt, it's going to go back to you know agriculture to some extent. You know, agriculture, farming, you know, herding animals. You know, again, trees, crops. You know, like you know, naturally occurring things. Something else that Kirsten pointed out that I thought was interesting is that some of our domestic animals are going to be fucked. Like you said, dairy cows, they're in deep trouble. But pigs, our domestic pigs, which are, again are sort of a highly bred, highly you know specialized animal, uh, you let those things go wild, and they will go back to they will start going acting like wild boars very quickly. They will not have the gigantic weight that they have in the farm. Because, you know, they're overfed, obviously, in order to produce all that meat. But they'll go back to being lean, uh, sort of mean, <laughs> you know. Feral. Yeah, feral, you know, uh, tough guys very quickly. A um, couple generations, you know, they'll, they'll start looking like, you know, mongrel mutts because everybody's dog, you know, didn't stay in their breed lines, you know, and produce something better. But I thought that was interesting. The pigs, you know, those guys you could set loose in the world – and they're going to be, they'll go out and they'll be pretty good. They'll thrive and, you know, again, no, not to add, but, you know, cats, canines will thrive as well. You know, people might, you know, you know, it depends, it depends on what you got around. People might, you know, breed and herd, you know, d dogs for meat because, you know, they, they breed themselves. They can take care of themselves. Who You know, they're trusting of people so you can easily round them up. So, who, you know, who knows? Uh, I want to point out that um, you mentioned the Aztecs, and uh, the uh, the Chihuahua is not the is not a Mexican dog. I mean, it's a dog breed that's been created to look like this Aztec dog called the Squitly, which uh, was there's a theory that they raised that dog for meat. It was a short, you know, mm. little you know, fat animal, and uh, it was highly dom it was super domesticated apparently because it's extinct, doesn't exist anymore. Um, but the Aztec, you know, protein was always a little, you know, they're always a little protein short. Um, certain anthropologists made a lot of book about how, oh, they're cannibals, that's where they got their protein from. But I think that's bullshit for food. It was ritual cannibalism. That yeah. Was, you know, part of the religion. It nothing. They weren't short a meal. But the uh, the Aztecs were big on, you know, iguanas and dogs. They had the, the squitly. And iguanas were big, uh, you know, things, you know, you sell them in cages, take them home, eat it, bring the cage back, get a new iguana at the market. Um, yeah, they had their, you know, the, the, what's going to be your protein critter that you're going to domesticate? Yeah, could be anything. I'm, I'm hoping it's not, I'm hoping it's not cats. I will have a hard time eating a cat. Um, dog, not so much. Do oh, well, uh, thank God you're on mute. 
You're gonna make the joke. Ah, uh, damn it! Uh, the ah, ha, ha. <laughs> All right, but um, so, but, but you, you'd be you'd be surprised, you know, what you'd eat when you're when you're when you're starving. So yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so, but anyway, I keep, I keep thinking of conch fritters down in South Florida. You know, the the old thing about Key West, the people from there are called conchs because when people were poor, one of the things they'd go looking for out, you know, one of the things that any poor person could go and dive over the side of a rowboat and you know, look around under the water for and bring up by hand was a conch, which are those big yeah. uh, sea snails. And you better believe people ate the heck out of those. Oh, yeah. Fried up in cornmeal for conch fritters. So all this talk of Apocalypse Chow has got me hungry, so I'm gonna have to find some more, I'm gonna have to find some more Twinkies, you know, and uh, and can, I'm gonna have to cannibalize some Twinkies and enjoy them. So uh, <laughs> I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna have some uh, anyway. But so there you go. Luckily, um, you don't luckily you don't have any pets that are in danger now. Yes, yeah, they're 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 safe for the time being. So, but I got neighbors anyway. So yes, Apocalypse Chow. Uh, you know, we talked a lot about food. Uh, and there you go. And next week, uh, now two weeks, we'll probably uh, I think we'll talk about religion. I think that's a pretty good idea. So we'll we'll, we'll talk about that. And <laughs> uh, uh, promise me that after we do religion, we do we do sex in the apocalypse, uh, so we can offend everybody because we, we've done we do religion and maybe politics, you know. Yeah. What did Jane get, say? I'm not sure. What did you say, Jane? Zombie fucking. Jane said zombie fucking. Um, Shut I'm, up, wife. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wife, stop talking. Stop talking now, wife. But wow. uh, so, <laughs> anyway. Wow. I'm so glad so, I asked her to repeat that. Yes. Um, so that's that, folks. So we'll probably. Uh, we'll, I'm 90% sure we'll do religion and the apocalypse. We'll, that would be an interesting to topic. I might loop in some guests for that one who've dealt with, you know. Religion and gaming and things like that, because uh, they give some different perspectives. So oh, yeah, I know I know a couple of people might be good for that. I'll I'll pass them off to you. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll look about talk about that. And that's it, folks. Uh, again, uh, thanks for joining us. No final words for me. No final words for Scott, because we talked we talked enough today. So uh, yeah, I know you got nothing to say. So <laughs> and neither do I. Um, so there you go, folks. Again, thanks for joining us. Uh, we appreciate it. And uh, like I used to always say, I've been said it for a while, be socially responsible. And we will see you in the wastelands in uh, two weeks from now. And we're going to be good about staying on that two-week schedule. So thank you. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, folks. Good night. <laughs>